Hello, you're listening to Sarah Archer in episode 250 of the Speaking Club podcast. I want to start this show with a quote from the father of influence, Robert Cialdini. And I want you to consider this quote for your speaking in the next 12 months. Embarrassment is a villain to be crushed. I started this podcast for two reasons. Because I want to help people recognise the power of stories and humour in speaking and because I believe it's your message that counts, not the number of ums and ahs you use. There are some organisations that want to create robot speakers. They want you to sacrifice your personality in order to speak perfectly. But I want to let you know that you can be yourself and a sensational speaker. So, if you want to be a speaker that connects and engages authentically through stories, a speaker that gives value as well as a great performance, then welcome home. Hello. I hope you're well and Happy New Year. Have you set your goals for 2023? Mine are all done and dusted and I've tried something very, very different this year in terms of how I created them and I might just share a bit more about that in an upcoming episode. Do any of your goals involve speaking? Then make sure you're subscribed to the show and if you haven't already, do check out episode 249, 12 Speaking Treasures, uh, and that will help you with your speaking. And not only that, there are some fantastic prizes on offer if you follow the treasure hunt that the episode guides you through. Yeah, go and check it out. Now, as you can hear from my voice, I really had a good time over the festive period, but I got the lurk. Another cold, a cold on top of a cold. Fortunately, it's on its way out now, which is just as well because I'm performing in my play Crunch on Saturday this weekend. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure as someone said to me today, Dr. Theatre will take care of it. Let's just hope so. <laughs> so I, we've reached another milestone. This is the 250th episode of The Speaking Club. And I was contemplating this coming up and it was it was kind of a pause point for me. I just wanted to check in and see if I felt there was more value that I could add to your speaking journey. Given, you know, we've done 250 episodes of the show, I thought, have I covered everything? Uh, you know, are people going to get bored? Is there more stuff I can offer? And I have to say, my original intention had been to slow down podcast production and focus on promotion because, you know, there are, there is a load of good stuff there in the back catalogue to listen to. But having pondered it over the break I do feel there is more that I and this podcast can do to help you on your speaking and business journey so we won't be slowing down in fact we may well be speeding up I'll talk a bit more about that uh, in future episodes and talking of speeding up if you want to accelerate your speaking journey in the next 12 months, I wanted to let you know that I have a live masterclass coming up on the 18th of January. If nailing your signature talk or becoming a better presenter is on your 2023 agenda, then this is going to be absolutely perfect for you. I'll be taking you step 
by step through my blueprint for creating talks that don't just inspire and engage, but also get people into action, which is what you want, whether you're selling an idea, a project, a change, a product or a service. It's all very well getting nodding heads, but you want to get those heads uh, moving and getting into action. And you can find out all the details of this two-hour interactive session at saraharcher.co.uk slash masterclass. And I'll look forward to seeing you there. But let's talk about today's show now. My guest, Jackie Brennan, discovered the power of language to influence her own and other people's behaviours while she was still working as a director of health and safety in the construction industry. And that really was the start of a personal journey for her, which culminated in her awakening to the fact that for most of her life, she hadn't been in the driving seat. And she talked a lot about that and her personal story in episode 215. And today... Jackie is a qualified hypnotherapist, a speaker, an NLP practitioner, and she combines all of this with her construction industry experience to help leaders in the construction industry tackle the growing mental health crisis in that in that area. It's it is shocking. The number she told me of suicides per year in the construction industry is shocking, and um, yeah, she she's a real advocate of tackling this uh, proactively and uh, she's she's on a mission to sort that out and on this episode though she's here to talk about her new book which she's co-authored and it's about persuasive language and on this show she is going to be unpacking some of the most powerful and persuasive aspects of language that you can use in your talks but also one-to-one or in teams to get people to do what you want. And the caveat there is always with good intentions, of course. So without further ado, let's cross over to the interview with Jackie Brennan. Welcome to the Speaking Club again, Jackie Brennan. Thank you, Sarah. As usual, it's a joy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, you're more than welcome. I was really excited uh, to have you on because of your new book, which actually we were just talking about before we started recording. I was looking for a book like this uh, this year or last. I can't remember exactly when it was recently um, and I couldn't find one. So it's really good that you've brought this book out. So um, if you could just Start off telling me the name of the book and the origin of the book, like how did it come into being? Okay, the book is called Persuasive Language, The Art of Getting What You Want, and, and brackets after ethically, of course. Yes. <laughs> and, um, it's co-authored with um, a colleague, Peter Lancet. Uh, and Peter is an amazing hypnotherapist. And we met, oh, oh gosh, three years ago, maybe. And we became sort of accountability buddies. Um, to do some training and we got on very well and he actually helped me un- unlock a lot of childhood memories so we decided we'd do some work together and we put on some training um, at the beginning of end of last year beginning of this year and from that training when we looked at 
putting together a workbook, this book came out of it because all the things we'd covered in that and what people had talked about that they enjoyed and, and getting it into that simple format without all the, the waffle, let's say. And yes, you can go and find more complex <laughs> and detailed books on it, but we wanted something that was very simple. So that is how we got to, to the, the book as it is today. Brilliant. Uh, as, again, as I would say, so I'm an NLP practitioner and these are, these are all, I think they're all NLP tools. They're all NLP tools and basically what you'd use in hypnotherapy one. So hypnotist, hypnosis, very much getting into the, the subconscious mind sneakily, let's say, yeah. <laughs> or subtly, maybe that's a better word, subtly. And, and just to put this in context, so for those of you that uh, don't know Jackie, she's already on the show talking about uh, what she does use the NLP stuff for predominantly. But could you just, as a reminder, put this into context for people so they can understand how this work fits in or how these tools fit into what you do and what you're passionate and what you're on a mission uh, to do? Okay, so I'm put um, working at the moment of well-being at the core of every construction organization. My background was 39 years working in the construction industry and I always had a fascination about the mind and I was introduced to NLP like yourself and that for me was back in 2011 and little light bulbs were going off at the time. Oh that's why I do that. Oh that's why I do that and that led me down um, uh, a learning curve or journey on NLP, hypnosis, breath work. And when I finished in construction, realizing that I was burnt out, couldn't go, go back into it, I was looking at the, the mental health issues within the construction industry and the crisis that they're facing at the moment. And I thought one of the things that we're never taught and is anything about the mind, how the mind works, and even down to the mind-body connection, how the breath can be involved. And I thought, that is, that is what we need. We need to combine those things to prevent those mental health issues, keep people in good mental health, because we all have mental health. It's keeping them in good mental health. And that is why I use what I do now, bringing in the, those, the expertise and experiences from NLP and hypnosis in a way, because they're, they're very closely linked, along with the breath work, going back into the construction industry. Cool. And now the tools in this book, you know, <clears throat> that you've put persuasive language, the art of getting what you want. And I know, so I use the tools in this book when I'm speaking. Uh, I teach some of the tools in this book in a slight, you know, we, we, we were talking about how much synergy there is between these things and some of the concepts that I teach, perhaps slightly differently, but aimed specifically at speakers. So the people uh you if you're listening to this today then what you're going to learn today is going to help you become a, a better speaker across all aspects of speaking you know the the start of the talk the the engagement in the in the sort of middle of the talk all all sorts of things uh, it's going to it's going to help you get better so do listen up to these things so could you before we go a bit deeper into some of the specific concepts could you give me a few examples where you've used persuasive language intentionally and what happened and this is a strange one because I think and, and we do say it in the book that we all use 
a lot of these language patterns without being aware of it. And one of the big ones in it is the pattern interrupt that is one that I, <laughs> is, I'm known as um, someone who's fairly patient and a good listener. But sometimes that can be, you could sit there for hours as somebody goes on and on and on and on. Pattern interrupt is a great way of doing it without appearing rude. It's just changing the, interrupting their pattern, just even getting them to look away at something else. Oh, what was that? <laughs> and just breaking that state with them that then you can start to change the direction. And I use that actually quite a lot, <laughs> a lot mm -hmm. in my work to great advantage. It, because you don't come across as rude, you're just breaking their focus. So that's one that I use quite a lot. The other one is the reframing. You know, when somebody says, or in a very negative state, and some of my friends, yeah, when they're they're talking and they they're, they get caught up in that hamster wheel of, oh, just going over and over the same negativity. And it's getting them to look at it from a different point of view. Just, well, what could that also mean? Or getting them to change the, the frame of it, how it looks to them. It's that, you know, every cloud has a silver lining. Yes, there's dark clouds, but they have silver linings as well. So what could that be? So that is one that I've used to, to great advantage to get people um, to look at it slightly different. And one of the ones that I certainly use on myself were the presuppositions, where you're putting something in, because we, we all ask ourselves, or we all talk to ourselves, and if you're wondering, I usually say, no, no, what do you mean? You're, why well, I don't talk to myself. <laughs> yes, you are. Yeah. It's that inner dialogue. And the mind, the, the subconscious mind will always find the answers for you. It just depends on the questions you ask it. So if you ask it a stupid question, it'll go away and find you the answer to that stupid question, which might be a stupid answer. <laughs> but if you start to ask yourself good questions and put in presuppositions to them, you know, so... How can I get better at this? How can I get even better at this? The presupposition is you're already good at it, even better. And it will, your subconscious mind will go and find those answers for you. And because you've found them yourself, you're more likely to take them on board rather than someone else telling you. So yeah. those are ones that I've used to great advantage. And in all of those, um, in when I was doing hypnotherapy one-on-ones, all those language patterns would have been used because that is just the basis of hypnosis. Cool. Well, let's. Can I tell you? <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I've got a one that went when it was used on me. And even though, and here's the thing even though you know what they are, they still slip into the subconscious mind. And I can remember when I was living in Canada and there was in the shopping mall. And no, they were giving away, it was one of the um, skincare shops, can't remember its name, but there was the shop assistant outside had sliced up a, a bar of soap that they're doing, giving away free samples. So, oh yeah, so you take your free sample, yeah. And then you're guided into the shop and because they've given you something, you're there asking you questions. Yes, that's right. Yes, I do use that. Yes, I do. Do you want to buy this? Oh yes, I came out with this bar of soap. I don't like any type of um, flowery types of soap. On that, and I thought, why did I put that? And I stood there and thought, oh, yeah, they've used it back on me. And <laughs> even though you know it, it still gets you. You become aware of it, but it still slips in because 
yeah, yeah. Oh, Absolutely. Oh. I mean, that's the thing. A lot of marketers use this oh, that, stuff. You will recognize them, but it still gets you. <laughs> no, they do work. I was trying one of them out last night uh, as I was reading the book. I was like, I thought I'll try one on Emma, <laughs> my, my other half. I was trying to like, how can I get this into the conversation and see if it actually works? So I said, because we've done the baked potatoes last night, you don't have to start dinner from scratch because everyone knows that that's a fundamental part of the meal. And um, so nothing happened initially. And then she did scratch her nose. So I said, you don't have to start from scratch. Everyone knows. So the intent, the, the thing was to do that. But what she took away from that discussion was that I'd assumed that she was cooking dinner. So she, <laughs> she said, I said, you scratched your nose. She said, I was, I've been doing it all day. So she didn't sort of, she didn't say yeah. it was connected. And I don't know if it was, there was a slight delay, but then she scratched her nose. So uh, I did try it out. So it sort of worked, but it backfired on me because she took from that, that I'd made the assumption that she was going to do dinner. <laughs> so anyway, but let's, let's talk, we'll, we'll come back to that one in a little bit. But let's talk a bit more uh, about the first one I found in the book, which was interesting for speakers yeah. I think, which is analog marking. Now, I've, I haven't heard it called that before, um, but if you could you explain a bit more about analog marking, what it is, what it does, and some examples of how we might use it. Okay. Analog marking is basically you're telling the unconscious mind to pay particular attention to the words and phrases that you have marked out. Um, you mark them out by... There's, there's a number of ways. The, the main one, the one that's usually and typically used is by changing the tonality of your voice. So it's just going into it and you could use something like, no, you can shift your awareness to your breathing, can't you? And you just ever so subtly change the tonality and keep it almost flat because we're very intent on usually going inflection at the end of a question, going up, keeping it flat. And you're just marking out that, and it's called an embedded command, basically a suggestion, or you, what you want someone to do. And it's that change in tonality ever so slightly. I mean, when you first start using it, I would say, you know, really emphasize it so you get used to doing it. But the more subtle you do it, it really does just slip past the mind into the, past the conscious mind into the subconscious mind. And another way to do them is, and we can't do it on, <laughs> We can do it here as we're on Zoom's doing this, but you can use your hands, you know, to emphasize at the start and at the mm -hmm. end of it. So just even making a hand gesture at the start of where you want the that command to be, and again at the end, or you can keep your hand up and take it away at the end. If you're with someone, you could touch their arm. You no, know, if you're with a friend and you just want to say something to them, you could at the start of it just touch their arm and take your hand away when you're finished. Great one with children. You're asking the, the child, no, the, oh, no, you can easily do that. You can easily learn that subject and just put your hand on their shoulder or their arm, just touch them as you lower your tonality, as you say the, the phrase and take it away. This, it, it just slips past the conscious mind into the, the subconscious mind. And you can do it with even just tapping something at the start and at the end. But the tonality one is, is the main bit of it. It just 
marks it out. Subconscious mind picks it up. Conscious mind is looking for logic all the time mm. and reasoning. And while it's doing that, you're just saying a, a, the phrase doesn't mean anything, but the subconscious mind picks up that little nuance. Oh, there's something to pay attention to. What is it? Interesting. And, I, and I've and i seen, so I didn't realise uh, about the body language too, but yeah. that also applies to speaking. If yes. you're a speaker and you want them to pay attention to a particular thing, absolutely the body language stuff as well. But it's really interesting because when you've talked about this and I read it in the book, I, I know I've seen Darren Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that, that other programme I love. Oh, what's it? He's a, he works with the police force, the mentalist. And oh, right. yeah. I've seen other sort of um, mind people use this, the techniques of touching, you know, or on a handshake when they're stopping yes. someone in the street, you know, that's, that's something else we're going to come yes. into. But like that's, I've seen all yeah. of these techniques used to do this on TV. Interesting stuff. There's a good one to, to do. Watch various shows on TV. There's one that I, and what's it on? I can't think where it is at the moment. Is it Paramount maybe? There's one called Bull. And oh. on Dr. Phil, you know, who used worked with Oprah. Yeah. Uh, it's his bit loosely based on his early days working in the courts and juries, working with juries. And it's all about the, the mind. Okay, it's a you no, know, it's a not a documentary by any means, but loosely based on that. And there's so much of this stuff in there. And when I watch, oh, he's done that. Oh, there he's done. It's amazing. It's really so when you watch TV you will start to pick those up, as you have said. You start to notice them. Things that before just, as I say, just passed you by. Now you go, oh, that, oh, yes, they're using that. Yeah. Really, I uh, thought there was a good story in the book about uh, Milton Erickson, who is the sort of founder and father of this yeah. stuff. And the sort and this persuasive language came into being because he noticed when he was working with his his um clients the language they use to describe their problems yep. he literally um unpicked it and used it you know to help them rather than hinder them because we do all this stuff on ourselves yes um so so that was one thing and the other thing was his pattern interrupt was apparently he had a withered arm Darker, withered yes. hand oh. and instead of <laughs> going to shake hands with someone with his good hand he yeah his other hand uh-huh. in front of them yeah. and that would interrupt the normal handshake that was a yes. really good story yes no he, he was an amazing man so both Milton Erickson the, the father of hypnosis as we know it, modern hypnosis had some amazing stories and the things that he used to do and from that Richard Bandler John Grinder doing NLP based a lot of their work around Milton Erickson and some of the other amazing therapists at the time to to get bring us NLP which and Milton Erickson the Milton model is part of the NLP stuff so it was amazing it would have been fascinating to be have been in there and seen those extraordinary people at work but we've got now the the modern equivalents often the the Darren Browns and the various other people that do that yeah and and I was gonna say that um just talking about patterning well I will come on to that I want to talk about binds now (laughs) this is a I've definitely had a bind used on me in sales by salespeople. can you tell people more about the concept of binds and again what they are and how we might use them Okay, so the bind, there's two, there's the single bind and the double bind. And the single bind is basically connecting two things. So the more you do that, A, 
the more you'll do be. And they may be random things, but you're connecting them. So the more you listen to this podcast, the more you'll notice how these uh, patterns turn up in everyday life. The more you start to use them, the easier you'll find you are, you'll be at influencing people. So it's connecting. It's usually like the more, the more, the easier, the easier, but the harder, the harder. And we use those in everyday mm. life. No, the more you practice, the easier it'll be to do it. You know, yeah. the, the, even down to know the, the quicker you finish your dinner, the, the sooner you'll be able to go and watch TV. We yeah. do it all the time, but it's now consciously using it to get the outcome that you're looking for. And I think for certainly for if we look at in management and leadership, for when you're managing people, you want to get the best out of them. And these language patterns, and especially something like the, the binds, I think are a very good one. Certainly the single bind is mm. one that could be easily used in there. So it's just connecting two things. But then you have the double bind. <laughs> and the double bind is one that you will find that salespeople use all the mm. time. And that is giving the illusion of choice. The outcome's going to be the same, but you have the illusion of choice. And the example in the book, you know, do you want to sign this form with the blue pen or the black pen? The intention is you're signing this form, just you, you think you have a choice. And yeah. we use it in hypnosis, a lot of hypnotists would use it. Do you want to sit in the, the trance chair or the hypnotist chair? Doesn't matter, you're still going to be hypnotized. It doesn't matter yeah. what chair you sit into. So it's it's given the illusion of choice. And again, for you no know, beneficial purposes, which is what we do in, in hypnotherapy, is that to get that good outcome. And one that was given in some of the training that we did people who don't uh, drink a lot of water. And somebody has said, yes, I've used it on my partner on that note. Do you want to drink a water now? Or do you want a, a cup of uh, herbal tea in an hour's time? You're still going to be drinking more. You've just got to think, oh, I've got a choice. Yeah. And you pick one. You automatically pick one, whether, you know, whether it's in your head or not. You're, you've been given a choice. I will have that. <laughs> Why did I do that? But that's what it is. It's just that double bind. And I do want to pick on something up on something that you said and something that you've already mentioned is in the title of the book and also is is a thread that runs all the way through the book is that in a sense, these tools and techniques are like a knife or a hammer. They can be used for great things or or bad things. Yeah. This is always with the intention that you are aiming to help people. Yes. Not, you know, not to use them for just ill-gotten gains okay. or whatever. No. You, put it better, uh, you might put it better than me. No, and, and that's what we say. And okay, we may make a bit of joke, no, ethically, of course, but it is true. And the whole premise of this is to get good outcomes for people something that will be beneficial to them, that will help them in their, their lives overcome negativity or anything that's been holding them back, getting them unstuck, helping them move forward. And that, so that was the basis used in, in hypnotherapy, certainly is what we wanted to do. And again, as I've, I've said in the sort of business world, Again, using it ethically, it's not a case of, oh, you know, the sneaky manager, I could get him to do that for me and a sneak. No. And I, okay, people, some people may use it like that, but that is not definitely not the intention. This is to help people. But for me, managers, leaders, help them get the best out of people, get the best for your people, help them to thrive, helps you to thrive, helps the business to thrive. 
and I think it's also worth mentioning here that you know I work with a lot of coaches and and leaders is the same who who do struggle with using some of these tools and techniques because they associate them with sales yeah and and I just I just think it's important here to say that if you have something you know that you believe can make a difference to people can help them you know can change their lives for the better let them overcome a limiting belief or something like that I don't know but if you you know I almost think you've got a duty to do everything you can to to make the invitation to bring them to the point of making a decision because the intention is there and if you know we've got good stuff to help people it's not bad to invite them to help them make a decision that might you know make a difference to their life no i i definitely agree with that and it's something that has taken me probably quite a few years to come to terms with myself because i learned a lot of i as i say i learned this i started learning this back in 2011 and I learned that I knew it was making a difference to me, but I was that engrossed in what I was doing in work and it was all busy, 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 that I didn't even afterwards use it on myself. So it took me quite a few years to understand, to get back into it and think, hold on a minute, this stuff would be of benefit. And getting, bringing it into the, the wider world, let's say, so bringing it out of the hypnotherapy and going into organizations with it and there was a bit of sort of oh will will they will they want to know that no would but in all honesty in my for me when I look at it I know the benefits it can bring one for working on myself with it but also for the clients that I have had in the hypnotherapy side Mm. of things I know that this is something that people need and this persuasive language one is just a small part of it. There's so much more that mm-hmm. we can do with people to, as you say, help them move forward, live better lives, get unstuck, get over those limiting beliefs. We only understand a bit more of how the mind works. Definitely. OK, so let's talk again about pattern interrupts. So we've covered it a little bit. And I love these. And I, and I just want to sort of bring this into the context of speaking because you you and I have worked together yes. on, on your talk. So yes. do you want to share what that aha moment was for you? When... Well, <laughs> oh, it was the strangest thing. I was So when we came, when I was working with you to do the talk and we were talking about the lightning bolt and doing all that, I thought, all right, okay, yes, I can get that. But it was when I was doing the the training and, and we were looking at these um what we bits we were taking out to put into the book it's it suddenly dawned on me oh for goodness sake that's what Sarah's been talking about Jackie how did you not see that again I was that focused on this was hypnotherapy that I hadn't looked up and seen the broader aspect of it it is those pattern interrupts and things that one I've been doing occasionally um you know naturally as I said at the start about interrupting somebody's chain of thought and process but the way you use it for the the stories is I think is great because it is it just stops people in their tracks what it gets their attention and anything that will get somebody's attention and make them start to look at something slightly differently or or listen in a bit more 
is is a benefit and that's for for me on the speaking side of things definitely and even now I'm now thinking of it and I'm thinking oh where I could use that so much so many other places and even down to the slides mm. you know that were used you use and, and tell people to put in and my one about the all for a coat and no knickers I mean that one going up what what, what you put that up there for it's that just to get people stopped in their tracks yeah and start to to think slightly differently or at least open the mind to the possibility of thinking slightly differently or catching their attention and listening in as we say tv all the the ads on tv every single one of them and if you look at them now how they've changed over the years and some of them you look at and think what, what what's that about but the thing is you remember them because they are different and yeah. that has interrupted the normal pattern yeah and I think this is the thing so the lightning bolt which you use you know which I teach to use at the beginning and the end of your talk is absolutely something you've got to grab the attention of your audience first so they're even open and can hear your message they sort of start leaning in but these things you can use all the way through just to keep them engaged uh, you know continue keeping them engaged into your message and um someone who I think and I wanted to run this past you so we've talked about you know different pattern interrupts already and um someone who I think uses them is Tony Robbins Mm. but I think his pattern interrupt is swearing or one of them is I don't know if if you've noticed that yes yes it's it's very much and it's it's everything though that shock factor you know and swearing is one and especially actually if it's someone who doesn't swear a lot if it's someone that you don't associate swearing with and they suddenly swear you some oh, I have to pay attention to what's going on here. Like, I don't swear a lot. And if I, I remember in the construction <laughs> world, if I swore, people go, oh, better take this seriously then. Jackie's annoyed at this. <laughs> He's yeah. just get, wanting to get a point across here. And it, it's true because we walk through life with our own patterns, our, everything that we do every day. We're, humans are pattern-making machines. And it's going in, but those things that are in the subconscious mind that are just automatic us like the handshake Milton Erickson's handshake everybody knows what a handshake is in the western world it's a hand out this is what you do and if you interrupt that pattern the brain's going what, what what's going on here the example we give in the book is that you no know, the police when they break in as we say hopefully not in your house <laughs> they, they bust the door out and they shout freeze because loud noise what the heck and that freeze makes you freeze um, and hypnotherapy and hypnotists would use it for those instant um what we call the instant inductions where you see somebody just dropping into that's inst- almost as if they just dropped to sleep it's because you've interrupted a, a pattern they're expecting something else you've stopped it and the brain's going oh what 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 now and whatever they hear next is what oh command right i'll do yeah. that yeah and that's what it is but yes tony robbins certainly with the the swearing yes yeah it's really interesting so do think when you are you know, as as a leader, as a as a manager, or as a speaker, how you can use these pattern interrupts. You know, team briefings. Yes. You know, one to one conversations. You know, there's so many opportunities for you to think. You know, how can I just get this person really leaning in, really listening, and also open to seeing something differently? Because that's the thing. It's a, it gives you an opening 
to make a really strong suggestion yes. to someone in that next part, you know, once you've got that pattern interrupt, that's the the sort of golden time, if you like, after that, that you can make that suggestion uh, to help them. Yes. And, and the other one that, uh, and we, we say this in the book, you know, that let's say we all go through life and in the same sort of way, the patterns. And if you look at it, what we do, the, the conscious mind can only hold a certain amount of information, those seven chunks, plus or minus two. Subconscious mind, unlimited, and it likes efficiency. And all those things that we have as habits are the, our patterns, let's say. And you, some say at least 95%, some people even go up to 99.7% of everything you do every day is a repeat pattern and the same mm. thoughts that you thought yesterday, you're thinking today. And so it's get yourself, even start looking at yourself and thinking, what am I doing? What could I do differently? Just something slightly different that'll take me out of this pattern. And it may be a little bit uncomfortable at first, but it starts to move you in a slightly different direction. And for some people, that might just be changing the way you dress, wearing a bright color. When I worked in the corporate world, black, white, gray, maybe the odd beige, and now, I haven't a black thing in one well, no, tell uh, the odd pair of black tracksuit bottoms. That is it. I have no black anymore. I thought, nope, that I'm interrupting that pattern of the way I was. I'm changing that. So just even that, the way you, doing something slightly different from what people expect of you will certainly interrupt their how they think of you and make you more. I could say actually charismatic, but it, it certainly changes their perception of you and it'll start to help you change the way you do things mm. and potentially the way you think of yourself and what you can achieve. Yeah, and I think I think what you you know what you describe those patterns sometimes we know it as automatic pilot Pilot, exactly we go into the car and we get to a destination like you there's a well-used example you use it in the book you get somewhere and you don't really remember getting you know the journey but I'm fascinated it's just popped into my head so I thought you know you're a good person to talk about it with is um the mindfulness yes and automatic but like it's it's really how because if we spend 99.7% of our lives on automatic pilot, yeah, as a whole big chunk of our life that we're missing out on. Yes. And I guess mindfulness is is trying to get us, you know, to to in a sense come away from automatic pilot yes. more often than not. Yes. Is that yes. your your sort it, of take on it? It is now. I <laughs> and I have talked about this before. Before I got into all this and some more of the, the woo-woo side of things. Mindfulness, I'm not sitting still. I couldn't sit still for any length of time. It was always busy. Meditation, no, don't want to do that. But the more I understood about how the mind works and getting out of that automatic pilot, that that's just what we do. Mind was busyness, always busy, busy, busy. Taking that time, taking that break, and just stopping and being present because that's all mindfulness is one it's being present but for me it was quietening the mind no taking all that noise out and just sitting in that stillness now I had a I was on a call uh, I'm in a mastermind group and one of the ladies in that 
is doing resilience with companies. And one of the things you had talked about was mindfulness. And a lot of them, uh, it's the association with some of it, know that meditation is sitting there in the yoga position and doing the mantra and that and mindfulness is picking up a raisin and really looking at it and staring at it. And I would have been told somebody to go take a run and jump at that. And the thing is, she had that in part of her presentation and people are going back, I can't do that sort of raisin thing. What's all that about? And it's how you free that's to me is reframing who your audience you know will a raisin or that really connect with them me going into construction telling somebody to sit there with the raisin isn't going to work but no. one of the things i say is you know when you go and get a cup of coffee or a cup of tea take some time just to taste it smell mm. it feel the heat of the cup and just be present with that for those couple of seconds that it takes because one of the things that the, the neuroscience is now catching up with a lot of the stuff that, you know, the NLP, the, the hypnotist, the, even down to the yoga practice, a lot of the stuff from years ago that people have poo-pooed and not, neuroscience is now catching up and saying, yes, that's right, because they can actually now, you know, do the MRI scans and that on the brain and see what parts light up. And one of the big things is daydreaming. You know, as kids, you were taught, stop daydreaming and get back here. Daydreaming is a massive thing for the brain to give yourself that space. And that's where you get the creativity from. If you're constantly on, engrossed in something, you don't have the time to be creative, to let your mind drift off and come up with new ideas. Einstein used to sit in a bubble bath. And that's where he came up with a lot of his stuff and just to and also to sort of yeah that relaxation frees the mind and you can go off and bring in new ideas it's it's interesting actually because before you you've said it and I was just thinking about this you know we were talking about being mindful but actually so when I when I've got a problem I can't quite get my head around or I'm writing a play and I can't get a plot or a talk and I want to get an angle or something like or a joke that I want to get some of the best uh, times for me to get answers are when I'm driving or in a shower yes. and I just you know it's we're saying people to you know be mindful but actually there is opportunity in some of that automatic pilot stuff because as long as we use the time you know uh, beneficially because we could use that time to be anxious about the the past or the present yes. you know to be thinking about past or present or we could use that time to give our, our mind a, a subconscious a question to work yeah. on and yeah. come and get it in that journey. So I don't, so I'm kind of cautious about saying completely like, no, yeah, be mindful all the time. Notice the, you know, notice that this is me saying, you know, that yeah. I say, notice the registration plates, notice the trees. Because oh, yeah. actually that time is quite beneficial if we use yeah. it in the right way. Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So that is so. It just gives us because we that's almost a meditative state in some. Yes. In if we do, is that's right, isn't it? Yes, because yeah. When, and I think this again is the, and there's a lot of when you look at certain words uh, and the stigma attached. So like working with well-being, mental health, big stigma attached to to mental health. But we just need to look at it. And that's why I say about reframing it. Look at it in a different way. Not the mental health as in mental illness. Look at it as mental health. We all have it. 
we want to keep in good mental health, how do we, how do, we do that? Here's some mm -hmm. tools and techniques to do it. And it's the same with that um, when we talk about meditation, people automatically think, and it's one of the, the breathwork uh, uh, trainers that I was with, he said, breathwork, great for focus and concentration, focusing on, on the breath. He said, the problem with breathwork is that for a long time, it was associated with people in robes and open-toed mm -hmm. sandals and tree huggers. And that's what people think a lot when they think of meditation. No, it's, it's sitting in that yoga pose and holding your fingers a certain way. Well, it, it's not. You can sit just quietly on your yeah. own. You don't even have to, as you say, driving. You're yeah. in that. It's, it's clearing the mind almost, emptying it of all the busyness and letting whatever else yeah. comes in. Different versions of it. But, and it, mm -hmm. I always say it's whatever works for you. Some people like to play music drives me insane listening to music and, and that I like absolute peace and quiet find what works for you but give yeah. yourself that time to to busy daydream yeah I like that okay the other thing I thought would be useful to share about is the charisma pattern yes which may pull in a few other things that we've been talking about could you tell me a bit more about what that is the in the book the charisma pattern that we talk about in the book is that when you're talking that you're showing that passion, you know, that your voice is getting more excited, you're really into it and, and everything that is going great. And then in the quieter times that you're taking it down and you're reflecting inwards. And you do this great when you're showing people when they're doing their presentations. And again, yeah. <laughs> as I said before, it just didn't dawn on me. I thought, Jackie, well, my brain was obviously somewhere, somewhere completely else because in hypnotherapy and NLP, it's, there's a part, another part of the book we talk about going first and in hypnosis, when you're doing hypnotherapy and, and, even, and whether it's hypnosis or NLP, conversational hip, hypnosis, it's you're there in the same state as that person. I don't mean that if they're feeling you know, really depressed and that you're in that, but you're slightly there. You can feel what it feels like. And there's no point in you telling someone, no, you have to be really, no, no sorry. You have to be really happy. And when you're talking like that, you have to be really, you no, know, get into what you want them to be, the state you want them to be in. Mm -hmm. And that's what you do <laughs> excellently. And you showed me that. And again, as I said, I had done this and I use it in hypnotherapy and it just didn't <laughs> dawn on me that that's what I should have been doing in my talks. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yes. And it was amazing when you did that. Though, yeah. It was amazing. It was and, just like like dark and light. And the thing is, when you do it and when you let yourself do it, it feels so much better. Mm -hmm. And because it's it, especially in the talks, know that it's your story you're sharing, your passion, your beliefs uh, that you're wanting the audience to get. And if you're holding it back, <laughs> that's what you pointed out it doesn't come across the same you have to be in there in that that moment or that state that you're trying to elicit from the the audience as well you want yeah. to share that and when you look at some of the the powerful speakers I mean they really do it and it's, mm -hmm. it's also that speeding up and slowing down mm -hmm. uh, and you, again you do all that <laughs> in your talks and yes, I just didn't quite realize it. That I needed to take it out of hypnotherapy and put it into my talk. Oh, and, and you do it, and you do it too now. You very, very great. Speak if you get the chance to 
book Jackie to speak to your organization about this stuff, I promise you, you'll be getting a, a fantastic experience. See some of this stuff in action, but her stories as well are um, fantastic. I think also that on, on this, and this is one, and I think what for me, and thank you for saying those kind words, Sarah, that going back into my uh, corporate career, when I had to do talks, and this is why I came to you, because I had been for years, I had delivered talks and, and speeches, and but because I worked in health and safety, quality and environment, it was always very dry stats. And it was just a, oh, yeah, yeah, very monotone. Give the stats, you weren't, any emotion in that actually wasn't encouraged. It was just tell tell the facts and get off the stage. And everyone was the same. And it was so boring. Mm. And when I got a little glimpse of on one talk I did when I was out in Canada, and I was near given a little bit of more free reign to do it. And the difference from the, the, the audience reaction, I thought, oh, I like this. I need more of this. And that's why I came to you, Sarah, because I could see even that little bit of input from me. But I still hadn't made the, <laughs> the connection <laughs> with, from this. Oh, yeah, anyway, yeah. So I, again, I, I, widen your scope. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important to say, like, I think that if you are the person that does break the mold when it comes to presentations in the corporate arena, because I was that person, because I'd done stand-up comedy and performing. So when I spoke in the corporate world, you know, it was different. And back to pattern interrupt again. But I do believe, and I've seen the evidence, that if you are someone who is, you know, able to stand in your power as a speaker in the corporate world, buck the trend, you know, don't have everything on three slides, you know, boring people to death, adding no value as the speaker. If you can actually be a great speaker in the corporate world, I guarantee you, you will see promotion come quicker, salary increases come quicker, because you'll be the one they roll out to speak. Yes. You know, I just think, you know, we get, we have, we get in this sheep mentality. I must do what everyone else is doing. The boss of the company does this, therefore I should do it. And actually the opportunity is, is there for you to break the mold, you know, and stand out, uh, you know, so I really do think it's a big thing. Definitely. And if you look at it, that, and this is, this comes down to, and is, is another part of the, it's not necessarily, well, it is persuasive language because we talk about it in there about authority and expertise. Mm. That, and I remember this from the corporate world that you could be telling them what is needed and have it all written out, the plans, the strategies, and that, and nobody wants to listen. The, the consultant walks in, <laughs> says exactly the same thing. Goes, oh, isn't that a wonderful idea? Because usually they, they aren't within your constraints. So you have to pre present it in a certain way. They can come in and present it in whatever way they want. And a lot of speakers that they, and this is what got, always got me, speakers that they would bring in to give the, the keynote speech of that, we're always different. We're, we're the ones that were up there, you no. Know, engaging with the audience and that and you think well why aren't we doing that when we're taught in the corporate world on how to deliver a presentation it is very much this is how you do it do it x y z a b c 
and it's boring. Yeah. So to me, the corporate world need people like you, Sarah, need you, Sarah, in to teach <laughs> their people how to deliver and get that engagement because yeah. they're such a wasted opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. To get hearts as well, to get hearts yes. to buy into change and all yeah. of that stuff. But uh, That's the, engagement is one of the big things in a company to get the culture change. No, and any type, if you want to change the mental health aspect, you want to change the culture, anything, you need engagement with the people. Mm-hmm. How do you get the engagement with the people? Touch their hearts. How do you do that? Mm-hmm. Tell the stories and... <laughs> Well, that's a brilliant segue because I want to get back to your book, which is amazing. Now, look, I have to say that I could have talked to you about everything in the book, but there's there's a lot in there and it's so relevant for speakers as well as leaders and managers, well, everyone, as you make the point in the book. So the last thing I want to talk about from the book, uh, because other people, you know, if you want to find out more, do go and buy the book, have a look at it. It's on Amazon. We'll talk about that in a bit. But it's stories, you know, I, you know me, I'm all about the story, but it is actually an NLP tool to influence, isn't it? So could you share a bit about that from your angle? Okay, so we we know stories historically is how we have been taught things and learned lessons, even if we didn't realise it at the time. And all those fairy tales and that are all stories with metaphors in. And the subconscious mind actually works in metaphors. Metaphors and colors and algorithms, it doesn't necessarily work in pure language. So when we're talking and using stories and connecting with people, it's what the what we're our generations or our ancestry has built into us, that that is how we take in information. So from important life lessons, teaching facts, heritage, ancestry, whatever, it opens people's minds. Mm and lets that information in and we're very responsive to stories it's that connection it's what we all want as human beings is the connection so there's one is the storytelling but the other thing about stories is that we all have our own story you know our our life experiences is our story and it's how we see the world and there's a a quote and I can't think who who originally said it I first heard it when I did my NLP training with a lady called Nyerka. And it was, you don't, you don't describe what you see, you see what you describe. So whatever you're telling yourself in here is what's happening out there. So whatever story you're running in your mind is what you're, you're go- what's going to come up because your brain, your subconscious mind, your, even your conscious mind is continually going to be looking for ways to, to um, say that yes, that's that's true. And so, like my partner, <laughs> when he goes up to see his his mother, and they don't have um, necessarily the or didn't have the best of relationships, and every time he was going up, said, "Oh, she'll just be complaining about things, she'll be complaining." So if he got there, um, what happened? Yes, everything she said, he he'd seen it as a complaint. I thought, well, why don't you go with the intention of, yeah, no, this is going to be fine, this is going to be good. And just changing the story you tell yourself about what's going to happen can influence the result because you'll see it slightly differently. And with the from the, the, the book's point of view and in the, the hypnotherapy side of things, therapy, it is changing people's stories. So to get them out of 
where they're stuck again, the limiting beliefs and onto a new path. And I see that exactly the same within leaders in industry is change the story. Oh, just because we've always done it. But this is the way we've always done it. Yeah, that's a story you're telling yourself. What if we change that story mm. and did something else? And for, for talks, the engagement with the stories is immense. It's touching people's hearts. It's getting them because we all can relate. There'll always be something there that people can relate to. Yeah. And, and I think so specifically in speaking with the story, you know, stories are throughout, but we, you'll recognize this. And when we we worked on your talk, we we talked about this, which is around, you know, even if people sort of buy into your sort of big idea, they'll still have objections come up. And these objections are based on beliefs, which are based on stories. So they've got this story running, as Jackie's just said. So your job is to find a story to trump their story and get them to see it in a different way. So it's, it's all, it is all NLP stuff. <laughs> like it's all, it's, it's all because we're all human beings with the same mechanisms. It's all about reaching your audience and, and touching them in some way, you know, positively. Yeah. And the, the thing, of, I think one of the things um, that I've discovered and, and probably anything that I I do, let's say, out there in the in the corporate world, that uh, are things that I've already used on myself to great advantage. I don't believe in doing something that I haven't tried out and know to work. And that's mm-hmm. whatever I've done in my career. I want to, <laughs> I always like to know the ins and outs of things, which is why I got qualified in quite a lot of stuff, because I want to know how it works. Does it work for me? Yes, it does. And that part of changing that story about yourself because as I said a story doesn't necessarily mean it's true it's things that have happened and it's your interpretation the meaning you have given to that story Mm -hmm. so and I'll give you an example of that so at the the weekend I did my fire walking and glass walking (laughs) adventure and when I was standing there in the queue waiting to go up and even then I was thinking to myself there was actually it wasn't there was no fear which I found strange because for a long time I was fairly fearful of a lot of things and I, I just didn't understand it myself well why am I but I was standing in this queue thinking oh, well no it's it's nothing well well something but I got there and I thought I wonder what this is going to be like that was the st- that's what I was asking myself not oh my god oh it's hot cold what my oh, yeah. no it was just oh this is be interesting and it was interesting <laughs> and it was very strange doing the whole walk. But when I looked at it and looked back, the one thing, and I did say this at the time, when I overcame my fear of heights and especially crossing that rope bridge back home in Northern Ireland, the Carrick rope bridge that I hadn't been able to do for over 50 years, absolutely terrified. When I crossed that, Whatever block I had then had gone. And I said at the time, if I can do that, I can do anything now. And that, when I went for that fire walk, yes, perfectly true, because I didn't have that same, "Mm, no, 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 can't do that. The anxiousness, that fear wasn't there. Now, I couldn't tell you exactly why that block went, but I don't care. It's gone. And that Mm -hmm. has made such a difference. And I think everybody 
well, maybe not everybody, but that's a big generalization. Many people will have certain things in their lives that are blocking them from moving forward. And a lot of it is just looking at it slightly different, telling yourself that different story, finding some way to overcome it. And to me, that's all with the mind and some of the, the stuff here and the, the, even the language you're using to talk to yourself. Yeah. It, but it you use the mind on yourself there. Yeah. <laughs> I can do anything you we use it and we're not even aware of it at times it, it it's it's uh, it's amazing it continues to fascinate me it um, feels magical doesn't it oh it's the oh yes it is and maybe that's it it's magic words now why does it work I have no idea you know the the really nuts and bolts of it I don't know but there again I don't know how the mobile phone actually works I don't know how electricity really works I can use them you know but I don't need to know necessarily why it works I just need to have enough information to be able to use it to benefit me and I see that exactly the same as the mind if we know how to use it and to our benefit to help us move forward and like get a better life then let's do it that's amazing. Right. I want to uh, come back and, and talk about where people can get the book in a minute. But I just want to say, what's next for you? So the book just literally come out. Yes. What's next for you, Jackie? What's next for me is I want <laughs> I want to share this with people. I want people to get as not necessarily as passionate about it as I am, because I am absolutely. Ugh, please, everybody listen to this is to get people to understand that by knowing a bit more about the mind that you can make such a difference. And I certainly believe that within the mental health world and what we need to do in construction at the moment. This, the book is is the simplified version of it. It's given you some tools again in there, a simple way to do it. We're looking at doing um, some training on it because yes, you can read it, but to get the practice even on it, uh, so Peter and I are going to be looking at doing that in the new year. But for me, it's just getting into companies and really driving this, you know, making it just part of what we do every day, getting into the businesses that will help people. And here's the thing. It's no. There's a lot of talk about technology and oh, we need this app and that app and that. No, you don't. <laughs> you, you've got all the resources you need. Mm. If you have people in your business, you have all the resources you need. You just need to give them the information, tools and techniques on how mm. they can use that. And as a business, how you can use it to improve everything that you do. So it's speaking. What I want is actually speaking opportunities to get out there and share this, mm. this message and get into companies and really show the difference mm. that doing this can make. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, you've been on the show before, so I'm going to ask you our standard questions, but we're going to put a a thing. So we're going to put it to this year because we're almost at the end of the year now. What's the book that you've read this year that's had most impact on your life and why? I'm going to have to have a look. Oh, I'll tell you which one. It probably is the, oh, I've, I've looked at a lot of, so when I was getting into looking more at well-being and, and well-being and work and the corporate world of it. What's stopping people doing it? There's two books and I'll go for that one. It's from Gallup. 
uh, Jim Clifton and Jim Harter, well-being at work, how to build resilient and thriving teams. I know it sounds a bit, <laughs> a bit heavy, but it is, there's a lot of the stuff in there is what I talk about. So it gave me a lot of, huh, yes, I am on the right track here. It was a little tick in the box yeah. uh, from some, some you know, from Gallup, who do all the surveys yes. and all the reporting on it. And the other thing in there that really got me was that basically it all comes down to being human, yeah, being a decent person. And if we had more of that, more empathy in the workplace, we were just nicer to each other, learned a bit more about how we, why we do the things we do. This is, I say, you know, it's not difficult. It is yeah. actually quite simple. So that was my book, Wellbeing at Work from Gallup this year. Yes. Brilliant. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. What's the best bit of business advice you've had this year? Be yourself. Okay. And the more, and when I looked at that one, is that being authentic? And when people, well, years back when it first came up, I thought, authentic, what are they talking about there? It was, it was it, too much hype to my mind went around it at the time. But when I looked at the people that I listened to or watched, and I, I looked at them all and I thought, what, what is it about these people that I like? They're just being themselves. They're passionate about what they do and they turn up as themselves. They're not trying to be something else and when I worked in the corporate world it was always having to be you know mm. the 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 older gray male suited booted person and that wasn't me and so mm. there was always a, a bit of a fight going on but just being me and here's the thing if people don't like me well they're not my people as such and I think that's that was my biggest piece of advice business advice this year is be mm. yourself cool and okay so let's see if this has changed so if you could have one mentor they could be alive or dead fictional or non-fictional who would you have and why you know I knew you were going to ask this one and I was thinking I was still coming back to Catherine Hepburn (laughs) quite a lot but I was looking at so who is it out there that turns up as themselves all the time is passionate about what they do. Again, it was all the people that I watched, but for some reason, Tina Turner started to come into my mind. Uh-huh. And I, I thought, why, why am I talking about Tina Turner? And then I realized it was, so when, when you watch her, read her story or watch the movies about her, that the start of her life being very controlled or in a, not being who she wanted to be. And then she broke free of that and did what she wanted to do and lived her life doing what she wanted to do. And I thought, yes, that, that is it. So I'm going with Tina Turner. Fantastic. Well, I've not had Tina as a choice before, so that's brilliant. Okay, that's smashing, Jackie. Right, so where can people go to get a copy of the book? And if you could give the title once more. Okay, the title is Persuasive Language, The Art of Getting What You Want. And when you get the the link to it you'll see the beautiful picture of the giraffe which I need to say my beautiful niece Cara uh drew this it's an original painting that she did for her dad I took a photograph of it and she kindly allowed me to use it I think we might be in some negotiation talks about (laughs) royalty fees next but at the moment yeah so persuasive language uh, the art of getting what you want available on Amazon 
Kindle version and paperback. Cool. And tell what you actually found some significance with this giraffe. Oh, yes. I'll share one because we do say you'll find out in the book. But the one thing that so when I saw when Peter and I were doing the the book and then looking at the cover and we were saying, well, what do we want in the cover? I don't really want to go down the mind route and have a picture of the brain on it. And when I'd gone, it was one of my uh, visits home and I the painting of the giraffe was on my brother's wall. And I thought, I really like that. And I, I took a picture of it and thought, I wonder, could we use that? I thought, Peter will think, what the heck are you wanting for, Jackie? So I sent him the picture of it and I said, but I've, I've looked into some of the information about giraffes. And the one thing that stuck in his mind and, and I really liked was the giraffe's language is inaudible to the human ear. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what this is. It just slips past. You don't even hear it. You don't realize it's there. And that's what that is. Excellent. Okay. And if people want to, uh, if organizations want to book you to come and uh, sort of give them some tools and techniques for proactively tackling mental health and getting the most out of and for their staff, what's the best way for them to do that? If they go to www.contactjackie.com, all my details are on there. Excellent. Cool. Now, Jackie, is there anything else that you feel that you need to say in order to call this interview complete? No, just, well, just thank you, sir. Thank you for the opportunity again of sharing what I'm absolutely passionate about. And I hope we didn't go down too many rabbit holes and, and off topic there, but I am, I, I believe it's, it's where we need to to go. We need to give people more information. So that's that's yeah. it. You're more than welcome. And I often find that at the end of a rabbit hole is a, a gold mine. So, so so hopefully that's uh, that's been the case for some people here. Do go and get a copy of the book. It's a great book, and I've already got mine. Um, and we'll put the link in the show notes. Thank you so much. Best of luck for 2023, getting this message out there, and look forward to seeing you shine. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. I absolutely love this stuff. Language is immensely powerful. And if you want to dig deeper into it, then do go and grab a copy of the book, The Power of Persuasive Language. And as I said at the end of that interview, there is a link in the show notes to go and grab your copy. As you heard, Jackie found so many of these tools baked into the program she did with me to create her talk. And I didn't mention it in the interview, but uh, you might know, I might have mentioned it before. I am an NLP practitioner myself. So along with all the marketing and everything else, it's all baked in there and uh, it's, uh, it's good stuff. But they're really powerful, all of these techniques, whether you're using them one-to-one or with an audience. So if you can have a look at them and start incorporating them into, into your communication, you will find them being super, super helpful. Okay, do go and connect with Jackie on LinkedIn. And if you are looking for a great speaker on increasing well-being and productivity in your company, then she is your woman. She's got a great story to tell. It's, it's a brilliant talk. Well, that is it for this show. Don't forget to check out episode 249, as I mentioned at the start, and also the masterclass if you want to progress your speaking this year. Thanks again for joining me. It's great to be back. Uh, 2023, I hope yours is off to a rocking start and I will be back soon. 
In the meantime, you know what I'm going to say. Don't change this bit, does it? Don't forget to go out, grab your life by the nuts and get cracking. Bye-bye. One of the things that I teach you on my masterclass has been a game changer for lots of people. The trouble is that we're often too close to our thing to present it in the way our audience needs to see it and hear it to get the results that we want. That's where this powerful live interactive masterclass comes in. I'm going to be taking you through my proven six-step heart map blueprint for creating powerful authentic talks and content using stories that connect with your audience and get them into action. Here's some feedback from previous attendees. Definitely a value-packed two hours for anyone wanting to engage with their audience. Well worth signing up for Sarah's Masterclass if you want to make your content connect with your audience. Recommend it massively. Best two hours I've spent all year. I know your time is precious. That's why I guarantee that if you don't leave this Masterclass knowing exactly what you need to include in your next talk to get more engagement in sales, then I require you to ask for your money back. Grab your space to work with me on your talk at the next Masterclass over at saraharcher.co.uk slash masterclass.